mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And joining us today, once again, friend of the show, a former uh, Florida Panthers Western Amateur Scout, Reese Jessup. Reese, how are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. I'm excited. Thank you very much for having me guys uh, for having me back. Uh, I'm I'm excited to uh, to talk some hockey with you guys today. Well, timeout, Zach Morris, timeout. Uh, guys, this is Panther Pre. We haven't talked anything other than Panthers for the last like six podcasts. <laughs> Reese, you're in a competitive <laughs> Pokemon battle for your life. What six Pokemon are you choosing? Oh no. Uh I don't, I don't know what's worse, the fact that Jacob would absolutely wipe the floor with me in this battle for my life, or the second that I'm going to name like six Pokemon that are, are past Gen 1 uh, and and completely just reveal myself as the biggest nerd on the planet uh, that also second works in hockey. To, so. You're not even the biggest nerd on this podcast, yeah. dude. Don't flatter yourself. <laughs> I, I added the caveat that works in hockey, and then I, I thought okay, for someone, wait go. a minute, no, I know some people. Yeah. I know some people. Yeah. So, um, so, so first of all, I'm leading with Toxapex. Good choice. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll go. I like Scissor because it's it's a bug it's a bug type. Excellent choice. Uh, I'm doubling up on the bug types with Volcarona for a, for because it's a big fire moth. I like the the, the bug fire one. Uh, Jacob is putting is 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 really really um thinking about this. Uh, with every every new Pokemon that you name, I'm thinking about how can I counter this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man, what what do I what else do I like? Uh, I like Gengar, uh, just a classic. Um, Last cannon though. Yeah. If you but can I, hit I mean, him, you, you need he's you so need, fast you need some and so strong. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, are are you are you going to tell me that 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 like Jonathan Huberdo isn't a good hockey player because he's <laughs> he's he's fast and and skillful and does offense? Come on, come on you, now. You, I'm overrated earlier this year. I did Ooh. not publicly. Um, <laughs> uh, we can we can get into that later. Um, uh, let's let's go with Ferrothorn uh, as a, a, a glass wall, steel wall. Walls, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and doubling up on four X fire weaknesses, though. Not yep, sure how I feel about that. Yep. One. Um, and uh, 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 Oh, there was a dragon type. Um, that one, one of one of the new ones was cool, and I liked how it looked. It looked it looks like a a T Rex with a Dragapult. That was the one. There was the Salamander dragon. one. Yeah, sure. The new one. Yeah, the one with the airplane for a head. <laughs> yeah, the one with the airplane for a head that shoots smaller ones of it. Yes, exactly. Because that's 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 cool as hell, right? Oh, it's awesome. I actually yeah. uh, Dragapult. I, I still have to breed my perfect Dragapult. I haven't. Uh, the reason I haven't bred one yet is because I'm not sure whether or not I want the shiny. Um, so this is a hockey podcast. <laughs> but no one who listens to this, anyone who listens to this regularly, knows exactly who I am. So <laughs> I, I will say, in terms of credit for for the two bug types, 
you've got a physical attacking bug type and a special attacking bug yeah. type that don't share any weaknesses. Uh, and Besides uh, what, fire? No, Volcarona. No, Volcarona, Volcarona is fire. Uh, yeah. neutral, neutral damage to fire, which is Scizor's only weakness. So I do respect uh, doubling up on the bug type. This was, this was not the most well-planned out Pokemon <laughs> team uh, of all time, but Alex put me on the spot. So I'm like, uh, I, I did I my best with, uh, I, with what I was given. I, I right. do find it interesting. Right, Jacob, I'm to go with two walls, uh, t- two walls, including uh, having a second four X fire weakness. That that sheer force life orb, Nido King with flamethrowers, white thorns, <laughs> and ferrothorn. All right, so Jacob's clearly starting with Nido King. Give us your other five. Oh no! Uh, I, look, hey, I, I hey. have two teams that I really love using competitively, um, or at least competitively, guys, competitively. Uh, Okay, let's just let's just emphasize that competitive competitive Pokemon battle battling. I I haven't done legitimate competitive since I was in college. He just means human v human. Yeah. Yes. Um, The first being uh, Klefki, Gyarados, (laughs) Nido King, Togekiss, also Scizor, and Chansey. Uh, to be that, to be completely carried to be, me through six tournaments. Yeah. To be completely uh, honest, the big reason why I said Scizor <laughs> is first of all, Scizor is awesome. Second of all, it was on top of my mind because you 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 revealed <laughs> to this to me uh, your team to me earlier today. So I'm like, I like I like Metal Bug. Technician Scizor, Sword Dance, and Bullet Punch. Mm, love it, absolutely love it. Shatters Nine Tails, all the Nine Tails. Yeah, well, I'm showing up with Ash's Pikachu from Pokemon Yellow and fucking. Oh, uh, he's up. he's one. He's okay, one. No, we, we if can't you've played with Gold, that. Silver, Crystal, Heart, Gold, or Soul, Silver, you know that Red's Pikachu is very fallible. So, I guess if you're counting Ash and Red as different people, which in fairness you should, they are different people. <laughs> different people. Um, they are different people. There's I will two die different on this hill. No, there's Ash two and different, Red are different people. There's two different mangas. There's a whole manga for yeah, a guy named Red. Adventures. Yeah. Pokemon Adventures, Red. The video games, Red. Ash is his own thing. Ash is an anime character, not the game character. Um, this is some passion that I'm feeling from a, <laughs> from a gentleman on this topic. Well, well me, trust me, I have a lot of ambivalence. Meanwhile, TJ's completely checked out. On TJ's checked out. TJ's like, why am I even here? If you're watching T- this TJ, on YouTube, you're looking at TJ just on his phone, looking at us like we're the yeah. biggest goobers ever. No, not the that. The best part is that I have no... This resonates with me in no way because I haven't played a Pokemon game in probably 15 years. We're on video here so I can show off my terrariums uh, and people can see them. <laughs> Togekiss is the best. Uh, <laughs> do not disrespect Togekiss. If you disrespect Togekiss, you will be sorry. Okay, my Pokemon Tarps top six off to a great start. Number one, Mudkip. Who doesn't like Mudkips? Number two, Starmie. Just two other types already. Number three, Staryu. <laughs> I, I have a feeling you just searched water type. No, Pokemon. I did not. Number four, Farfetched, because its name is literally the term Farfetched, and that's cool. That's a cool term. Number five, ditto, because it can be anything it wants to be, sort of like a kid with privilege. And number six... <laughs> Political commentary on Pant. TJ just today. had that. T- TJ's in here just because he had that joke locked and loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with Mewtwo, just because uh, I can. The Ubers, man. Not fair. No. Legend- legendary Pokemon. No, you can't do that. 
I do also have my Gallade. This is a shiny Gallade, actually, training by a river. Love this one. <laughs> Gallade is my favorite Pokemon. He's just not uh, not a member of my competitive uh, competitive squad. He's not quite good enough, but he is my favorite. So I suppose uh, at this point we should probably talk about hockey. We we've uh, yeah, at some point I was I was like told that this minutes. was. The- <laughs> I was told this was the trade deadline special. Uh, how many people yeah, do you think are, are still Pokemon watching? This? Yeah, I was, I was wondering. <laughs> well, for anyone br- strong oh, enough to stick around, um, Reese, you uh, you have some some very uh, some very good insight on uh, the state of the team and uh, and certain uh, certain needs that might need to be filled by the deadline. How things affect the expansion draft. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and uh, give us kind of your overview of the state of the Panthers right now? Okay, but before yeah, we go into that, I just want to mention that uh, this segment, we uh, posted a tweet about we want to talk about the candidates for the trade deadline that the Panthers could possibly add that you, the listeners, the followers on Twitter had in mind. And then we got to thinking about it more and more. We decided that Reese would be a great fit for talking about these players and the organization and how all of that goes together. And so we're at this point where Reese is going to talk about, as he's about to, the state of the franchise, and we're going to get into trade candidates and eventually talk about some people that we got from Twitter. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you, Reese. Go ahead. All right. No, no worries. Anyways, like, yeah, as, as you guys were saying, it's it's a really kind of interesting year uh, in terms of the deadline and deadline activity. Uh, we it might just be a total dud of a deadline with all the variables going into to teams um, being able to actually make trades and and with with the lack of revenue and stuff. So so that is that's going to be a killer for for a lot of teams. Uh, but in terms of actual like cap space, the team that is probably best suited to take advantage of of a flat cap world going into the playoffs might be the Panthers with how much uh, space they can add at the deadline. I believe prorated it's about fifty close to 15 or 16 million dollars in salary uh they can just add at the deadline without without having to subtract any any cap going back the other way um and in terms of of the 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 kind of good indicators of of success uh of of future success the panthers are pretty well positioned like they're they're sitting in, in third in the division right now uh, but I think like they can they can compete with Carolina and they can be compete with Tampa Bay because mostly because they've been powered by a top line that has just been so strong all year. Uh, they did do a really good job in the offseason going out and kind of adding guys uh, to their organization that could really kind of fill some roles and, and really play for them. They've gotten fantastic minutes from from Anthony Duclair and, and Carter Verhage in particular up top of their lineup. Uh, Alex Wenberg's been decent in a in in a middle six role and and radko gudis and gustav forsling i think have exceeded all kind of reasonable expectations being a uh, a serviceable second pair so i look at the team and i i look i look top to bottom if alex barkov and that top line remain healthy this is a legitimate like this this is a legitimate threat they have the the disadvantage of being in a position where they're probably they probably have the toughest route uh through their division I don't think there is any division that has three really strong teams uh, like the like the the Panthers the division is. I forget Central. what is it is it just the East? No, they it's the Central this year. Yeah, the the Not- the Discover Card Central division or, or, or <laughs> some, some of that. Rebranded um, to be presented by Florida Hockey now. <laughs> the Florida Hockey Discover. 
Discover card central division affordable hockey now. Okay, that's a tongue twister. I got it though. That works. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh so I I think that there that that's it's gonna be tough. Um Tampa is gonna have is gonna have a massive addition uh in the playoffs with Kucherov. But I think a lot of their success has been powered by the best hockey of Andre Vasilevsky's career. So even though they're like Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay. They're still a really good team. I don't think they are out of reach for a team like Florida. If everyone's healthy and playing up to the, the caliber that they have been uh, this season for the Panthers, same goes for Carolina. Alex Nedeljkovic has been really good for them on the, on uh, solidifying their goaltending position. And they're just a solid team top to bottom, but they're not beyond the pale for, for, for where Florida is this year. Um, in terms of, in terms of players that the Panthers can add, there's the expansion draft uh, considerations, unless you want to go four and four again, because we all remember how well that worked out last time. Um, Alex Petrov is more important than Riley Smith, just just in case anyone was still second-guessing that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I got that wrong. One of them is still in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, so, but, but yeah, I, I don't think that they want to uh be as big of a large of a story at this expansion draft as they are uh, or as they were the last time around um so that kind of limits the what what you can do in terms of roster flexibility in terms of bringing in guys on multi-year deals uh on the back end you're you're definitely protecting Aaron Ekblad uh unless Keith Yandel waves his NMC you have to protect Keith Yandel and the third guy, I think it's a pretty easy call to protect Mackenzie Weger because he oh, and Ekblad yeah. have been so, so, so good together in a, in a legitimate top pairing role uh, this season for the Panthers. That, that, that fulfills a lot of their um, exposure requirements. I believe Gudis makes, uh, meets their exposure requirements. Uh, I believe uh, Strawman meets their exposure requirements. And Marcus Nutivara, if he plays a few more games, he'll meet it as well. Uh, of those three guys, you can expose all of them, and I'd see really? Seattle probably taking New Tavara. Um, hmm. Yeah, because like we can we can talk about Gudis later in, in in areas that they can, or actually we can just go into this now areas that they can upgrade in. Uh, Gudis long term, I don't really trust his long term game. Uh, I for for what he is, I think he's fit well into the Panthers because his strengths are a really, really aggressive neutral zone gap and an ability to close off guys and just friggin' hammer guys. Mm-hmm. Like he is a, he is a neutral zone hammer that can move the puck. Okay. Play with, with, with some pace. And I think that's really kind of suited the Panthers well uh, for, for what they needed. There is a guy that can just kind of like stand up at the wheel and just be super aggressive. Uh, long-term he had some down seasons before this one and he's on the wrong side of 30. So even though he's been, uh, a revelation this year in terms of turning it around and, and being, and being that guy that was, that was so effective with, with Tampa and Philly early in his career. Um, I don't think long-term he's a guy that you can really trust to fill in that second pairing role, but for this year, he's been really good. So you can, I believe, sit tight and, and feel pretty good about the performance that he and Gustav Forsling, who again, has also been a revelation um, have, have, have given you, um, in terms of in terms of that that second pairing ability. Before you move away from Gustav Forsling, uh, were you considering him as somebody that Seattle might look at in the expansion draft? Because I believe he would be eligible. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
I believe I think Forsling it would be a guy that they look uh they would look at. Um, I th- I'm I'm they might lean Nutavara or they might or they might lean Forsling because Nutavara is a guy that I, I I think that they've they they'll have seen the track record on him and go like we're a little more confident in that. Um, and because Forsling, even though he's a younger guy, he's not significantly younger than uh than than Nutavara as well. Both are about mid twenties, uh, approaching prime age. If if I am not mistaken, someone can correct Nutivara me on that. If I am mistaken, Forsling is twenty four, um, so you're you're pretty much right on point. Yeah, yeah. So there. Not to mention, the only thing we really get corrected on on this podcast is uh, the pronunciation of Finnish players' last names. Yeah, <laughs> that has happened. Yeah, that's uh. If if you if you're really uh, feeling wild, you're actually just lucky that you don't have any Swedes besides Alex Wenberg, um, Strom, uh, Strom, and now and now he's but gone like, to the Texas except squad. for the three of them, <laughs> except for the three of them, you know, and, and, Horn, and Horn, yeah, Hornquist no. as well. Horn, oh them. right, how can we yeah. we all forgot about the one who has arguably been most important to this team this yeah. year? Yeah, um, <laughs> and that is yeah. also assuming that oh, yes. no one Patrick picks Horn up Anton Strawman off waivers. Which yeah, I, I sure um, hope no one does because he's so good and yeah. that contract is very reasonable. So uh, that was a, that was it. No, you wanted to say something there? Yeah. Do it, Reese. It's 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 been. No, I was going to say it's been nice for Florida that they've been able to find some guys that have that have been able to actually step up and play prominent roles, so they're not scrambling to 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 fill this and force guys like Strawman and, and even Keith Yandel into roles that are. Um, above what they what they should be playing at this point in their careers yandel especially i think they've they've done a good job kind of dialing back what uh what he he's had to do and that's really kind of helped him um and help help the team have uh, get what they want from him which is which is which isn't like stellar defensive or 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 impactful play but like just kind of a consistent puck moving presence that can that can sling the puck around on the the power play quite a bit been a very very contentious point of person for the Panthers this year what is well period but especially this year this after year? you know with the yeah. oh you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be scratched and waved and taxi squatted it seems like it's really de- like it's always been de- uh, he's always been a divisive figure for the Panthers but this year you really have people digging in on like Keith Yandel is trash and he needs to be scratched and people saying well yeah Keith Yandel isn't the best five on five but he is the best trigger man on the or he's the best power play quarterback in the NHL and you kind of have to take the good with the bad. Where does Reese Jessup stand? Uh, in the middle, sort of. Um, I like Keith Yandel as a power play quarterback because I don't like my power play quarterbacks to shoot the puck and he doesn't really shoot the puck. Hmm. Um, so I do like what he brings to, to the power play. And certainly the Panthers power play is quite dangerous. So I don't think you can really pick to pick that apart too much or, or be too critical of it. Um, and Yandel is a part of that. That said, I don't think he's the best power play quarterback oh, in the nice. NHL. Um, like I think, I think Quinn Hughes is better. I think Kale McCarr is better. I think Sam Gerrard is better um, for, and that's just off the top of my head. Uh, Miro Heiskanen is probably better. Adam Fox. Yeah. Say. Adam Fox is, is, is really good as well. So, but for what Yandel is, he does have some really particular strengths to his game, but he also has a, a, a number of like really, really prominent weaknesses. So whenever you have a player like that, if you can utilize them effectively, 
they're they're capable of 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 really providing value to your roster. If you can't, then then they're then they're a a, a big detriment. And I think we've you've seen that uh, with the the good and the bad with Yandel, wherein when he's asked to play a first pair role, top four minutes, matchup role, that's that's just not what he brings to the table. Uh, is in, in is quality minutes in in those uh, those 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 circumstances. It's once you can kind of dial back his minutes and use him uh like like they have been been able to this year in, in more of a depth role just like bring some offense then that's that's when i think you really start getting the best of keith yandel and there there are a few teams and a few players in the league that i think would uh would 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 benefit from something like that as well morgan riley in uh, in toronto is is a player that i see is similar to yandel and would benefit from more of that uh more of more of that that treatment too i think that a lot of that, what you're saying about Yandel and some of what you were saying about Radko Gudis resonates with me when thinking about a guy like Patrick Hornquist, who is now going to miss a few games with a concussion, particularly when you were talking about how you weren't sure if Gudis was going to age gracefully. I mean, Hornquist is now at the point in his career where it's kind of remarkable that he's still effective at the mm-hmm. age that he's at. And when I, because I'm not watching the Penguins very often, to be honest, when that trade was made, I was thinking to myself, man... Hornquist probably really stinks now. So that contract looks ugly, but it turns out that he actually is still pretty effective, especially when the Panthers would in a role like the Panthers are using him where they're parking him in front of the net, whenever they can extremely aggressive offensive zone usage. And uh, I'm curious if you think that that's a position they might look to upgrade on one of those second line wings as well. When you, when you were considering they might look to upgrade on Gudis. Uh, I think that that's 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 definitely a possibility. Uh, the the areas of of most uh, improvement that I can see for the Panthers are probably on that second line, and even though you're getting really good, um, I, I I would be I'd be less um, I, I'd, I'd be I'd be less uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inclined? Not excited, but yes, yeah, inclined. There we go. I'd be less inclined to address that second pair because. Gudis and Forsling have given you like legitimate solid minutes in like they're not really being sheltered from what I can see. They're they're they have a slightly defensive lean and they're still there's to to their deployment and, and usage. They're not being sheltered in in terms of uh, opponents or anything, and they're still giving like solid solid play solid minutes. So I'd be less inclined to to look for upgrades there and more inclined to look on that second line. Now Huberdo is is Huberdo. Uh, he's, he, he gives you fantastic power play upside. Uh, he's, he can, he can help your, your wingers put, put pucks in the net, or he can help you that line put pucks in the net has a bit of two way weakness in, in his game and is not a, a high volume guy. But again, he's another one of these, uh, like a really, really high end specialist type that if you can put him with two players, he can, he can be a force multiplier and really kind of make them, make them pop and make them stand out. Uh, Hornquist, I really appreciate the player that he is, like the guy that'll that he just attacks downhill at the net and he he'll fight for pucks. Like he's he's a really good tone setter. At his age and contract, he is declining, but he is still effective. Uh, that said, he's he's a guy that I think they could upgrade on. And Alex Wenberg too. Again, Alex Wenberg is a guy that I I saw as a a, a buy low reclamation project potentially for uh, for Seattle. Um, even in the in the expansion draft, uh, because he's again another skillful player. I like how he distributes the puck. He's a really good playmaker. I just 
I'm not sure he's your number two C on a on a uh, legitimate contending team. So if you can find more of a uh, more of a play driving force uh, from that line to to kind of help and 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 play with Huberto, I think that's a pretty key area that uh, that the Panthers can look to address and address with with a good degree of success well, here going forward right if, if they I mean, play their cards about, right. Like, the Panthers need to address that second line. What are some guys out there that you think are one available and two the Panthers could get? and exploit some market inefficiencies and get without having to give up, give up too much. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's kind of difficult because going through uh, the, the league and the teams that you, we presume to be sellers and presume to, to be looking to move guys out. There's not a ton of players that really make a lot of sense uh, for, for the Panthers especially at that center position because I think that that's that would be more key than 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 upgrading on the wing because I I'm a big proponent of strength down the middle strength in the blue line strength in goal so I, I when I'm looking for for second line center options uh, Mikhail Granlund is is one that could possibly fit but I think he's a very similar player to to, to Wenberg so in terms of what you pay and what you get back and how that's that surplus is gonna fit in I'm not Kirby. sure that there's that that's a <laughs> something that you're looking to explore explore in terms of like paying a premium to get that in terms of picks and prospects um i'm not sure if if montreal how uh keen montreal is on moving some of their players considering they just uh uh traded for eric stall today but one guy that i i yeah one guy that i I really really like in a in that potential role is philip deneau uh he's not a guy that can I, I really like Deneau's game. I think he, off the puck, he's really smart. He works hard. I think you're getting him um, at a at a, a valley in his value because he's just had a miserable time putting the puck in the net this year. Uh, he's a very strong five-on-five player, very strong defensive mm-hmm. player that I can mm-hmm. think it can handle some pretty high uh, high leverage minutes in a defensive role. So even though he's not going to be the, the the sexiest addition, Philip Deneau is a guy that I think could could really potentially help uh, just kind of s- solidify and stabilize that uh, that middle six for for the Panthers in in, in terms of versatility. Um, I think if you're looking for a more uh, skilled approach, if Philadelphia is if Philadelphia is looking to sell, Scott Lawton might be a guy uh, you you could explore. If in terms of with some versatility, you can move him to wing. I don't think he's that that great of a play driver, uh, but I I do like his puck skill and his ability to to, to make some plays. And then, of course, there's there's other guys on the market like Ricard Raquel, Victor Arvidsson, who I I, I like as as very skillful uh, wingers that can that are have some have some uh, team control behind them for for a couple of years that you could potentially play uh, in in place of Hornquist, move Hornquist down the lineup a little bit, uh, and then have that that trickle down effect so you can bump guys like uh, Yuho Lamico and Ryan Lomberg out of the lineup a little a little more more often uh, at the bottom there. So I wonder, Reese, if uh, if there's a solution to this issue of making sure you get strength down the middle without having to really approach this trade market as it stands. Would it be such an insane uh, concept to maybe put Carter Verhage in that 2C spot and give Barkov another winger? I mean, not, not really. That's... Definitely something that you can explore and you can try. Um, 
because I believe Verhage has had some has, minutes, has played some scene in his career before. Yeah, we, we've seen yeah. him play center in between Huberto and Duclair for the past couple of yeah. nights. I so, mean. yeah, so he's he's capable. Um, and 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 you can you can move him around, and maybe that's that's how you have to approach it. You 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 go with two pairs, maybe with like Verhage, Huberto, and Barkov, Duclair, and you you play with the wings a little bit. It's for for me. It's about giving yourself options. Mm-hmm. So if is, and I, I've seen some proposals about the Panthers adding some bottom of the lineup guys like Luke Glendening, for example, was one that I, I saw mentioned at the uh, another executive had mentioned it at the, at the Athletic um, as a potential trade proposal. It was Luke Glendening for a second round pick? Uh, another executive uh, threw out there. I have to th- I have to oh, think that's Steve Eiserman putting putting that up there to, to be honest. <laughs> Um, try and drive up his own players. Yeah. Denning is not getting a second round pick. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that was stall at 50% retained. Uh, got, got that too. So like Glenn, Glenn Denning's a guy that like I, you, Joel Quenville likes using a, a defensive zone specialist. Like he did in Chicago with Marcus Kruger. Starting him like just all only in the defensive zone, like you're 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 gonna get crushed. And Luke Glendening was that in in Detroit, so I think the impact that Glendening had uh, was actually in excess of what some of his underlying numbers said. But the problem is, is that he's on the wrong side of thirty now, and the player that Luke Glendening was is not the same player as Luke Glendening is right now. And I I look at the depth that Florida's accumulated over the last couple of years. Like I, I, I really like Noel Achari when, when yeah. they signed him, when I was still with the team, I was a big fan of that signing. I thought that was the best signing that, that summer that they made. And I, I told them, yeah, I, I told them that at, at, as much at the time. Uh, like I like, I know Vinny Hinostroza hasn't gotten a lot of, a, a lot of play there. I, I, I'm a fan of Vinny Hinostroza. Uh, Mason Marchment, I think is a, a, a fine serviceable depth player. He's, I, uh, I, I, I think I tweeted the other night. He's a he's a good hockey player trapped in the body of a very bad hockey player, yeah. um, and 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 overall, like you get a guy that can that can make smart plays on your third and fourth line, but just won't be able to handle up the lineup responsibility because he's just not very good. Frank Vetrano is is solid for for what he is. So like the collection of depth players the Panthers have, I don't see many glaring weakness. Oh, E two Lotsarinen, you and uh, Lotsarinen. I have no idea it's, how to uh, say it. Louis Starnin. Yeah. Starnin. E2. He's been he's been exactly. solid from, from 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 what I've seen uh this this year as well. So they have a collection uh down there. Oh, and of of course Owen Tippett is 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 down there as well. He's he's coming into his own in, in the league. Um but yeah, the point is is that they have guys that can play down the roster. So you don't need to add any more down the roster because you're not going to be building significant strength down the roster. The way you're going to be building significant strength down the roster isn't by getting Luke Glenn Denning this year. It's by getting a guy that can play in your second line where you can start bumping guys like Hornquist and Wenberg down the roster. So that's where you really want to be making or creating those 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 strength imbalances. It's not going out and getting, oh, he's a really good fourth liner. It's going out and getting a really second a really good second liner and playing your current second line more. guy on your third and fourth line. Right. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where some of the appeal in a guy like Mikhail Granlund, I think, comes from. And that this isn't me necessarily lobbying for Mikhail Granlund, but I see the argument that all of a sudden, if you answered a Mikhail Granlin without subtracting any roster players for the Panthers lineup, mm-hmm. you can now play Alex Wenberg on the third line, and he's not responsible for putting in 
the pucks that Jonathan Huberdeau dishes to him in such an artful way into the net, you have a guy who's a little bit more used to scoring goals. Cause I yeah. think we can, we can say with decent certainty that that is not Alexander Wenberg's specialty. He does Alex, not yeah, no, ab- he's doing it at a not. better rate this year than he ever has before. I've been keeping track of it all season. He has <laughs> what more goal as many goals this season now as he did the last Something two like that, full yeah. seasons in Columbus combined. Uh, let me let me take a quick look because yeah, every time I, I, he scores a goal, I tweet I, I tweet about it and update the rankings in terms yeah, of how I, well he scored. Yeah, I I, I honestly th- I like I like a lot about Alex Wenberg's game. I think that fit with him and Huberto is is a little that's a little um the fits just off that redundant line. almost yeah redundant to me because Wenberg is ex yeah it's extremely pass two extremely pass first guys and Patrick Hornquist who's a no fit crasher and banger. Mm-hmm. So if you if you yeah. yeah, if you're able to bump Wenberg down the line and maybe put him with a guy like Frank Vetrano, that could be an intriguing fit, for yeah. example. So yeah, if you're able to you, put him with were, an Owen Tippett, intriguing fit. You're you're spot on with uh, with Wenberg right now. His seven goals in uh, in these 32 or 33 games that the Panthers have played are exactly equivalent to uh, his last two full seasons, which amount to a total of 132 games. Yeah, so he's <laughs> he's not a shooter. He's, no. he's not a goal scorer. He's he's a pass first player, and I, I like some of his decision distrib- distribution decisions. Like again, like this isn't anything about Alex Wenberg. I think he's just kind of an average middle six guy that's extremely pass first. So you have to have a very specific fit around him. Yeah, I don't think there's that right now on the Panthers second line. The, the fit's just not there. You've got Huberto who likes to you know push the pace, get up, you know, make the pretty pass and find a finisher. And then you've got Hornquist, who's just trying to go to the front of the net and deflect pucks, and that's. And then you got Wenberg, who, like you said, is a worse version of Huberto. And, and there's just no right. fit there anywhere on that second line, and you're kind of seeing it lately, where uh, that that second line really hasn't got much done five on five. Right, and and I think I made that point actually when we first saw the line combinations going into the season of Huberto, Wenberg, and Hornquist. I think my first thought was. Okay, so who's your shooter? Who's going to get the puck to Hornquist in the mm-hmm. first place? Like, who are you relying on 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 your defenseman to shoot from the point and hope hope Hornquist gets a stick on it? Like, and, what are you doing? And also, Hornquist isn't even really a shooter. He shoots a lot, right. but a lot of that is second and third chance opportunities. He's a follow up shooter. Right. He's a rebounder. So you're, He's yeah, a so you, rebounder. So you're not really getting that the that those those volume of pucks on net you need in the first place. I think you can say similar things about the third line. I don't want to like say that E2 is terrible, but I feel like he's a master of, or he's a uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Like he's a guy, I, I see him do nothing poorly, but it just doesn't look to me like, oh yeah, this is a guy that should be in a top nine role in an, on an NHL team. He does nothing badly, but at the same time, that third line isn't working with him. And you have two guys that can score goals with him, Owen Tippett, Frank Vitrano, and they're not scoring goals with him. So you put Alex Wenberg down there. For all of his bumps, you can say that Alex Wenberg belongs in an NHL top nine role for the most part. And E2, it's a nice story if he can get his, uh, you know, his shit together. And the Panthers didn't come into this season expecting it to be a legitimate title run. So they were right to give him some time to figure out what he can do at this level. But he's now at a 10-game pointless streak. And he's, you know, plus minus is not a, a predictive stat. It is a descriptive stat. 
but he is one of the worst plus minus players on the team, which only describes, like I said, what is going on when he's on the ice. I think it's relevant. You know, I, I mean, you can look at the course, you can look at the expected goals. They would tell you a similar story. He's one of the more like notable minuses in those areas as well. And he's not a bad player, but I just don't think he is a guy that plays in the top nine on a title contender. If you bump him down to the fourth line, he's much more fit for that kind of role. Where we already have Nolachari, though. But he doesn't need to play <laughs> so, center. Like, yeah, that's true. But then, I, I, TJ, I, what do you do with Mason March? Put him on the first line instead of Duclair. Come on, guys. He, he's the ultimate Swiss Army knife. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the guy representative of Panthers Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if there's, there's an so area people. in the lineup that I feel bad about Mason Marchment being in. Cause I think he can be a complimentary player on any of those lines. Like when he's been on the first line, of course it hasn't been for Hagee Barkov Duclair, but he doesn't look like a black hole. He doesn't end plays. He's a guy that knows where to go, knows what to do. The, the thing about Marchment that always has impressed me is his ability to, again, like like you kind of hinted at there, is continue plays. It's it's a lot of what Milan Lucic was actually good at. A lot of people think Milan Lucic, oh, big power forward. The thing that Milan Lucic actually was really, really good at is he was a, a really good thinker and understander of, 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 of structure and how to move pucks. So when the puck came to him, he'd get it and he, he knew where his teammates were. He knew, he knew where they were breaking. He knew where they were going to one quick pass, get on his horse, really simplify. You see a lot of the same things with Marchman. He's a big guy. He cannot skate and his hands are only okay. But when the puck comes to him, he knows where his teammates are and he knows how he can problem solve out of that situation in, in a hurry. So he is a guy that can, that is easy to play with for, for a lot of guys, even though he is really limited in what he can do just by his skill set. in terms of a short-term fit, he's a guy that I think you can kind of move around the lineup. I just wouldn't want him to be like my, my plan a or plan B on like when a guy goes, goes down on the first line, he's a guy that maybe for short-term, if we need a, a spark, if we want to change things up, if we, if, 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 my first line center gets injured and we need to bump someone over and, and move a guy up for a game or two, then yeah, sure. But he Mason Marchman's a guy that I see continuing to give you flexibility through the lineup. He's not a guy that I think that you, you when you have when you're penciling in your your top twelve, he gets any higher than maybe like your yeah, number I, four I left can't wing. Can't disagree there. Um Oops. so I know you we've talked about Grandland a little bit. And this really isn't a strong market in terms of trades for centers. When you mentioned Glenn Denning was a fourth line guy, we kind of dismissed that. Uh, mm-hmm. Stahl. Stahl just, Stahl just went to Montreal. Center. Instant, okay, I mean, I'll ask the Deneau question that Jacob desperately wants to ask. I mean, you talked about how he'd be a great fit. Oh. <laughs> that is not the one but, center that I'm referring to. But is, okay, well, <laughs> we'll get to is, that later. I think it's likely or even possible <laughs> Deneau gets moved. And if Deneau isn't the guy, who really is there in the market? Um, I don't know how likely it is that he gets moved. It's definitely now interesting in Montreal with, uh, with Stahl coming in. Uh, because Montreal's whole thing before is they had a lot of depth and not a lot of top end talent, mm-hmm. and Deneau has been struggling in terms of putting the puck in the net. Like I think he's he's sitting on two goals this year. He did he did it took him like almost twenty games to score his first. 
but it's really tough to tell kind of how a team values uh, that player and how a specific coach values that player as well. So because he is a UFA, they might, or are pending UFA, they might try and, and, and re-monetize that asset and just, yeah, we'll bring in Stahl and now we'll trade Deneau for the same return. So it's like we're swapping one for the other. We're going to lose him anyway, something or rather. So it's definitely possible. Montreal's a very intriguing team because Mark Bergevin has been one of the more active GMs yeah. uh, since the start of the since the start of free agency. Uh, certainly, like with uh, with some of his moves to 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 bring it to trade for Josh Anderson. He brought in Jake Allen. Uh, he he's um, he signed Joel oh, Edmondson to 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 a big a big deal. So or he, he fired his coach too. So Tifoli, brought in Tyler yeah. Toffoli. Again, I wanted so I would, I would love to have had Toffoli here, but yeah. Toffoli is a really good player. I, I have a lot of time for Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't need to get much more in detail than that. He's just a good player. But but yeah, so it's it's definitely uh, possible that they move him. I don't know how likely it is. And I think you would probably, given like the role that he has played in Montreal, because he has played with, with Brendan Gallagher primarily. Like He's been one of their top lineup centermen. Uh, they do have Suzuki. Uh, they're probably working into a center role. They do have Kakaniemi. Uh, they do have um, some 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 lower the lineup guys too. Yeah. And now they have they have Stall. So it's 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 it is interest interesting that that he might be potentially available. I would certainly be kicking tires on him because in terms of teams that that are, are looking to be active here going forward, he's I think the 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 pretty clear. Uh, best re- rental option and if you can sign him as well for for a reasonable deal i mean the the major drivers of 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 contract are ba- are basically points and ice time and he's got the ice time but he doesn't have a ton of points so you might be able to get him on a pretty reasonable middle six deal for for th- three four years oh, wow. as well like you might be able to get him on the brett Connolly deal See, and I, I, well I oh, sign me six. up yeah <laughs> I could have sworn I heard I, that he turned five that by down six. He turned that down. Yeah. Well, it seems unlikely that that actually happened, considering the highest amount of money that anybody got, and that isn't uh, Petrangelo Krug aside. I mean, look look at that Toffoli contract. We were talking Toffoli about got, it. what four by four, which yeah, four, four by four. four. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, if you can keep the term manageable, like this is one of the best times to be signing free agents that there has yeah, ever this- been in the NHL. This is this is an un, basically an unprecedented two years of buy, of of buyers market suppressing the values <laughs> their, or player values because a the, the the cap is flat and b nobody wants to spend money because there's no revenue, yeah. so the cat your cash flows are restricted, and the actual dollar amounts that general managers can allot to to spend players like a lot of a lot of GMs are like we have to divest ourselves of of cash commitments in order to sign in order to bring in new guys, like. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks right now, uh, because of like the flat cap and they didn't and 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 some of their their previous decisions, because they have some guys on IR that aren't on LTIR and aren't getting that cap relief, they cannot afford to bring in uh, Oli Ulevi, a guy on an ELC, into their lineup uh, potentially, because like there's just they're, they're, like teams are just so up against the cap room that they're Is that bad that they're struggling to to make moves like that. Is that bad? So. Hmm? <laughs> it's it's not good i'll tell you that so <laughs> if if phil Deneau turned down five five by six at the beginning of the year that would be uh very surprising to me i would be scratching my head at, at like what his like 
at, at the advice that he'd be getting from his agent because like Taylor Hall got one by eight, for example, like no one's, no one's getting big multi-year right. big money deals at that level. I mean, pr- the Brett Connolly contract is, is probably far too low uh, for a guy like to know, but this is also a guy that you're, you're looking at coming. I would like, I see potential bargain here and there's probably a pe- people around the league that see potential bargain, which will create a big more drive the price up. But he's a guy. Th- the point is, is that I think you could get him on a reasonable extension given the environment around uh, how just right, so like how tra- much teams can spend. And of course, that that's also dependent on the variables of like so are what the Panthers picks and willing to spend the, the money as well. That way to uh, get to know Saran Noel and what else? <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you 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 say what what trash picks and prospects, but like if if we're if we're really being honest with with ourselves and really looking at it, the Panthers are in a position where their window to win is for sure this season and next season because these are the last two years on Alex Barkov's Barkov, uh, yeah. current deal. And while, while I was in Florida, what was communicated to the organization was Vinny Viola would be willing to pay for Alex Barkov on his next deal. So, but there has to be a, an agreement there between the players camp and the, and ownerships camp. And my understanding was a lack of playoff success and long-term energy in the market were things that Barkov was concerned about. So ownership's willing to pay the player, or at least they were based on what I know. And if the team shows that they can put their best foot forward, the player is, or, or might be willing to, 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 to go beyond that. But the point is, is that you can't count on that. I think there's a pretty good chance that Alex Barkov stays put in Florida but That's what there's I there's hear. yeah there's there's no guarantee, <laughs> right? It's it's a good chance, but I don't think it's a great chance. I don't think it's like a, a slam dunk chance. But there's a good chance he stays uh, put in Florida, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he's leaving at, at all. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, your window to win, knowing that, knowing that it's not a slam dunk that he's coming back after this contract is this year and next year. That's the two years. So every decision you make has to be geared like this is this is what you do it for. This this is time to push your chips to the center of the table. This is what you do it for. This is why you're in the game. This is why you build the team. You want to win a Stanley Cup. You are all in now. So if you look at those futures, if if you do not believe that players like Spencer Knight or Owen Tippett or Grigory Denisenko or even Anton Lundell can help you in the next two seasons, all those become chips that you have to seriously consider trading. So if I'm the Panthers right now and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at my team composition, I'm looking at the at, at what I can add to this in terms of, of my cap situation going forward. I look at the performances of my players and I look at, at basically how, like how we're doing and, and the overall environment. I see a pretty good opportunity in these next two seasons. So when you, so none of my picks and prospects are off the table. Like this is like, this is all that currency that you've accrued. You're trying to consolidate it into, into a run right here, right now. So 
even though like it's always tough to 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 be dealing like oh like this pick's gonna be so, this prospect's gonna be so good I believe him like he's he's great and all that like the point is to 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 build to something and you have to be aggressive to do that and you have to be to willing to to make some tough calls on that and you have to be willing to to like five years down there go like oh geez that that Denisenko kid like he's really burning us now maybe like we shouldn't trade maybe we shouldn't have traded him but those are the risks that you have to take. So if the Panthers do in these next couple of days, part with first round picks, part with second round picks, part with former first and second round picks, that's not the worst thing. No. If they, it's, it's just a matter of doing it for the right player, for the right fit. I will say, I do think Anton Lundell does help you within the next two years. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm just a little higher on him than I should be, but I think he slots in. Lundell roster next yeah. season. Lundell for me is the player that I am absolutely least um, willing willing to move yep. of my futures. I have described I, him as my most untouchable. Yeah, like I, in terms of like the organization, like if if you're really look at looking at it, Anton Lundell might be long term your most valuable piece of your organization right now. And that's with, yeah, with, wow. with Barkov, with Huberto, with, with, with Ekblad, like. Yeah, Ekblad was actually the name I was going to yeah. throw out there. It's, it's, it's probably Ekblad, but if Lundell continues on the trajectory that he, he showed this year in, in terms of, of playing for, for like in a men's league and being a really, really strong frontline player, like that's a player that can potentially, I, like I thought he could be a very good uh, like 1B center when he was drafted. I loved the pick by the Panthers at the time. Uh, he's, he's kind of grown a little beyond that now. And I'm Mm -hmm. looking at him. I'm like, there is like this, this kid could be like, I don't want to say franchise because franchise is like a a level of beyond, beyond what they could be franchise. Yeah. Connor McDavid's franchise. (laughs) Lundell's not franchise, but I think he could be a, a, like a a core piece for like a, as a one, as a one C potentially even a low end one C like that's pretty good. So long-term like, I think you have to explore it. You have to look at it just because like if something's on the table for this year and you go like, Oh geez, like that, like we have an opportunity to land like something crazy here. Crazy. You, then, then you have to explore it. You can't, you can't, you cannot be, you can't be married to the deal. You can't, you can't, you can't fall in love with the deal. You can't fall in love with the players. Yeah. So, but like Lundell's the guy that I'm easily of, of the, of the futures easily most, most hesitant to move because I, as you said, I think that there's, potential that he steps in and is a good nhl player as soon as next season yeah here's my counter argument to why the window is only two years long and actually could be considered longer if if you if you wanted me to playing devil's advocate that's rare (laughs) if if you really wanted me to be pedantic i could say if you think of it not rare this way Anti, or uh, Alexander Barkov and Anton Strawman are making 11.4 million for the next two years combined. And then Anton Strawman will come off the books and most likely they'll still be making 11.4 million combined. So you pretty much have the same <laughs> I, cap situation going yep. on there. Uh, yep. The metaphor doesn't work or not That's a metaphor. That's a very interesting way to look at that. <laughs> I could, I wish I could say the same thing about, and Keith Yandel, I've defended him a lot. Brett Connolly, I've defended him a lot. But let's be honest, you don't want those contracts on your books. And they're not going to expire in two years, but you know, they're on the books for the next two years. So 
when you have that Barkov extension signed as well, you are going to need players that are giving you impact and are not costing you a lot on against the cap. Mm-hmm. The guy on his ELC is going to be absolutely tantamount in importance in bringing value for less than cap value that a, a player like that would normally bring. And Anton Lundell is, is going to be critical, I think, in, in providing that if you want to be a real contender down the road. And, you, you know, who knows? Maybe Spencer Knight is going to be an outstanding goalie and he's going to steal a bunch of games to lead you to the playoffs, lead you, you know, further in the playoffs. This is what keeps us intrigued as hockey fans. As much as we can use the data that's available to us to predict future outcomes, we can't know for sure. There's, there's definitely great arguments that you just presented that the window is now. They should go for it. But like you said, it's about the right player, the right fit, the right trade. So if they don't do that, I think it's completely reasonable as well because they do have all these future pieces that can potentially provide them very cheap value down the road when Barkov's making a lot of money. But the key thing, right. like you said, and is I think that you have to get him Reese's signed. Reese's overall point is that you yep. have two years Barkov's to convince signed. Alexander Barkov to re-sign, yep. or he's going to he's going to hit the market and going to explore, and then the odds of keeping him drop to almost nothing. So. But I'm afraid about sh- trading away good players that he could say, if I sign an eight-year deal with Florida. I'm going to be playing with Anton Lindell for eight years because he's under team control for that long. I'm going to be playing with, you know, whatever other prospect well, turns well, out to well, be Well, I think stud, Reese is saying that you Spencer don't Knight trade Anton Lindell unless you're bringing in a high-end player that's going to be – that's with, with term and cost-controlled for the next three right. or four years. So Barkov can say, okay, well, Anton Lindell is gone, but, you know, legitimate second-line center X now is playing below me and taking, you know <laughs> – I love how much we're beating around the bush. Um, on, on the, the one player who you really consider moving in. Do it. Should we should we rip the bandaid off right now and just should go we? for it at this point? All right, Reese. What's going on with Jack? Jared McCann. Uh, See, I was Jared McCann ask would Jared help McCann would help the, uh, the 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 Panthers Actually, this year. Yeah, let's um, put it. Let's put a pause on Jack Eichel. Let's talk about Jared McCann for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh, he's, like he's Pittsburgh really good right now position isn't he? to sell he's having a great year I, uh, we want him back personally he's my friend <laughs> i think it's a very loose definition <laughs> of friends. we high-fived but we we, we yeah. high-fived through the glass at warm-ups a few times that that might be the 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 the, the closest human interaction that jared mccann has ever had in his life so <laughs> uh no i i i I, lo- I love Jared McCann, the player. Like, there's there's a reason why uh, why I was I was I, I I was a fan of his in in Vancouver. I remember he was with the with the Sioux. I I spoke to Kyle Dubas mm-hmm. back when he was when he was with the Sioux. The Canucks drafted McCann, so I've been following him. And I've, I've I've always kind of thought that he's had a a an NHL career in him, being just a really solid middle six guy. So it, I'm, I'm I'm glad to see that he's having a, a pretty good season with with Pittsburgh. But I think we've we, we've teased it. My my big uh, plan is I I look at my my galaxy brain thing is I look at all the teams in the NHL right now, and I look at at who it who it really makes sense uh, to to add Jack Eichel for. And honestly, with the cap situation, with what they can what they can do, I think Jack Eichel to the uh, makes a lot of sense for the Florida Panthers uh, in terms of a player to target. He's like guys at his age at cost, like cost controlled for long term, do not come on the market. Like no they way. just don't. 
they even guys like that that like Tyler Sagan were not as established, and then Dallas had to resign, and it, that worked out well for them. But then like at like that's the last guy, really. They they just do not change hands. They do not come on the market at his age, and 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 with 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 that contract situation. Like even even I, I believe Patrick Line RFA, and I don't think Line is nearly as good as Eichel. So if you're really looking at pushing all the chips to the center of the table and going to Alex Barkov and saying, "Hey, we're committed. Like we we are we are committed on loading up." I look at the Panthers; they're a pretty deep team of of just kind of solid guys. Like there's no. I don't think there's a big weakness down the roster. I'm not a big fan of, of Lamico and, and Lomberg. Like I like, don't get me wrong. I love Yuho Lamico and Ryan Lomberg as your like 14th and 15th forwards, yep. <laughs> because I think they're, 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 they're competitors that drag you into the fight. And, and I, I, I have a lot of time for those, for their games, but like they're again, depth, depth guys. I think they're the type of depth guys you want at the price point you want. But if you're really making looking looking to make an impact, I think a guy like Eichel for for the Panthers, that's a guy that you can that you pool up and say like, hey, three first round picks, two prospects, and 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 for, if I'm the Panthers, I don't I don't or I do think twice about that considering which picks or which picks and prospects there are. Uh, of of course, like it has to it has to make sense, but I think that the Panthers come out ahead on that based on where they are as a team right now, where they want to go. And, and 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 the fit that they need like I think that the fit is there for for making a, a move as potentially as as bold and aggressive as as a Jack Eichel trade so Reese I don't know if you're an NBA fan but these days in, in the NBA we're seeing these superstar trades all kind of follow the same pattern it's like a couple of nice prospects and then just an insane amount of first round picks. And we haven't really seen too hard that to happen in the, in the NHL yet. But then again, there hasn't really been a player of Jack Eichel's caliber with that much term locked up, you know, cost control, as you put it, mm-hmm. that's been traded in recent memory. Do you think that there's a willingness and perhaps it would be a good idea for the Panthers to explore and, you know, Perhaps it's not going to be eight first round picks, but something similar to like a, a quote unquote NBA style package that might be considered by fans as an overpay. I think that, and and this is this is coming from someone who makes their living like doing picks and prospects and stuff. I think fans really really overestimate the value of a first round pick beyond about like fifteenth overall. Yep. <laughs> because you look at the, the the nature of the players that the that, that you draft in like say the twenties, like just look at the the history of good. Florida Panthers first round picks that in 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 the twenties. It's 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 not great. Like Matheson was one of their better picks in the twenties, yeah, I'd argue. Exactly. But like that's the caliber of player that you're you're looking at. And if you're adding a piece like Eichel and you're con- trying to convince Barkov to stay long term, at least these next two seasons, you're probably thinking your first round pick is gonna be a pick in the twenties. So you look at the timeline on that and you look at the, the odds that that pick really, really becomes something to you. And even though there are guys available in the twenties every year that turn into to really nice pieces, really nice players, the chances of, of, of that, of, of, of you landing on the right guy are, are nominal enough that I think teams would be justified in bundling up more picks 
to get players of of that Eichel caliber, especially uh, given the the contract contractual situation, knowing that they'll have long term control of a guy who's probably a yeah, top ten center in, I mean, in the NHL. Honestly, you're kind of making us all look silly because a few podcasts ago, the three of us laughed at the idea of the Panthers seriously chasing Eichel. But you know, you and I talked about it on Twitter, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, this actually makes sense. Here are the follow up questions I have for you, though. I mean, you mentioned two prospects and a, and a couple of firsts. Are we talking Anton Lundell and what, like Spencer Knight or Owen Tippett? Like, what's the cost going to be? And two, can the, I know the Panthers can manage under the cap this year, but what about next year and beyond? I mean, Huberto's up in three years, Barkov's up in two. Like, can they afford to keep them all together while mm-hmm. realizing that, you know, 10 million to Sergei Bobrovsky's not going away? Yeah, and, and that's the that's and that's what you kind of have to have to navigate is the the long-term cap situation i do think though that the panthers are kind of uh uniquely positioned in that they i believe they have 14 million dollars in cap space next year with with minimal panthers have 14, uh, million. like re-signing they have, so they have to they have to the re-up that are really due for a raise are gustav forsling and um assuming anthony declare stays playing well he will get some kind of raise and then again, assuming that you let Chris Drieger walk in the offseason. Yeah. So it's it's doable. And in terms of and you're also approaching this offseason knowing that it's a buyer's market. So any kind of down roster um, vacancies that this has created with guys that need to go out, you are probably going to be able to find like another, let's say, Vinahina Stroza or 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 Mason Marchment caliber player to to play down your roster from with with places that or to to replace those things like the 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 contracts that I really see hurting the Panthers right now are the Anton Stroman deal which is up at the same time as Barkov's is the the Brett Connolly deal uh, hurts them I think the the Patrick Hornquist deal will hurt them but uh, before too long but honestly like. And 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 the Bobrovsky deal, of course, that that goes without saying. I, he's you're you're oh, you've allotted ten million dollars to a player who's just not good enough to be a, an everyday player uh, for for in in net for you. So, but that said, the the, the they do still have fourteen million dollars in space next year, and they do still have a lot of guys under contract. So, they're not not. Uh, in in a bad position to to do that like long term, and and as as TJ brought up like Barkov and Strawman are making oh, what like eleven something million dollars. Well, on Barkov's next deal, he'll probably still be making eleven something or like eleven something million dollars with 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 no Strawman there. So it does change your outlook long term and how you structure your team. You do probably get a little bit more top heavy instead of doing like the Colorado avalanche thing where you have just like $3.5 million guys playing on your third line, feasting on like fourth liners throughout the league. You're probably looking towards more of a, uh, more of a Tampa Bay uh, or Toronto type thing where you've loaded up up top and you're, you're looking for, for constant value on the low end. So while it makes it difficult, I'm okay with that at this mm -hmm. point. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, while it makes it difficult, I think I don't think that it screws that adding a 
that adding one more ten million dollar player screws you, yeah. uh, especially for for the Panthers. And they can they can add them add them this season because like as as we went over earlier, there aren't many teams going to the playoffs that have sig- like significant significant deadline cap space like yeah. the Panthers do. I actually do. just realized um, Keith Yandel expires the same time as Huberto, so it's kind of the same thing <laughs> where it's like you allot Keith Yandel's cap space space to Huberto. And you really kind of can't keep the whole band together. You just do become very top heavy, like uh, Tampa and Toronto. The one thing you didn't really mention, though, is what's it going to cost? And to- Tommy make an appearance on the Tommy podcast Sider. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen uh, rumblings of four first round picks, which for me, if if the cost is four first round picks, that's an absolute no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> um, like if, if I'm, if I'm Buffalo, like the, there was the, the, the rumor of Eichel to the New York Rangers. If I'm Buffalo, I'm driving a hard bargain. Like I'm not asking for four first round picks. I'm asking, okay, I want from New York, New York Rangers. I want Capo Caco. I want Alexi Lafreniere. I want two yep. first round picks and I want a collection of, of, of B and C prospects and, 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 uh, and other futures. Like that's, that's what I was asking for, for, uh, one of the goalies out of New York too. And Adam Fox. Yeah. Like, Adam Fox, like I, so (laughs) all of that. that. Yeah, you ever watch a TV broadcast? Oof. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, so like if 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 the asking price is for first round picks, I I do that in a second. I don't hesitate. Like that for for me. If if you're if you are in a position where acquiring Jack Eichel makes sense and it puts you over the top and it makes you a legitimate durable contender, those four first round picks together have a very, very, very small chance of of equating in value to to Jack Eichel. If it's more than that, well, it's like the question: Okay, well, how much more does it have to be to to be like no longer no brainer? Is it like from the Panthers' perspective? Is it like okay, you have to give up? Anton Lundell, Spencer Knight, four first-round picks, uh, Johnny Ludwig, and Max Gilden. Uh, that's like that. Then that's we okay. We got it. We got to sit down and we got to do some work in terms of what we really believe in terms of long-term projections of these guys, uh, where their development path is, how much we believe in our player development staff, what are what that's like, what they each need to work on, how we how we're projecting the next four drafts, looking at our our team performance year over year, how we think that that that'll be impacted by it. And, and even then, like, it's like, that's, that's when it starts to become a, uh, an interesting discussion. So, but I've, I've always erred on the side of, if you get that star, that is the hardest thing to acquire. Yeah. That is, that is the piece that is the hardest thing to acquire. You, if you're creative enough, and if you're aggressive enough on the other side, I think you can find down roster pieces to kind of fill, fill that in. And then once you're kind of over that durable contention window, you, that's when you have to really take a long, hard look in yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, we have to be aggressive in tearing this thing down too, in order to build up that, build that, uh, that, that, that value back up and, and, and be able to, to reload again, but in, in not too short of an order. So it's, there will be a cost, and I think that the cost at which if Buff if Buffalo is asking for for mainly futures, uh, it might look like a lot. Like it might be like, oh man, but for for a player of that caliber that is cost controlled, that 
also does give you insurance if Alex Barkov does leave. It does extend your your window of contention beyond that. Um, that's I th I think you'd have to like there you would have to be paying a lot a lot a lot a lot if you were Florida to have it not worth your while to to right. to be pulling the trigger on it on a prospective deal like that. And, and that's why these NBA teams make these lopsided deals in yeah. a heartbreak. <laughs> like nobody thinks that the Brooklyn Nets, because they traded eight first round picks for James Harden. It's like, nobody's talking about, Oh, those, those first round picks might be good. It's like, no, you have James Harden. He is an MVP. Yeah. You have three legitimate superstars. You could win the title this year. Nobody is talking about those first round picks. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really the thing is that we have to remember at the end of the day, like I, I, I'm I'm an amateur scout. Like I work with picks and prospects. That's that's what I do. At the end of the day, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup. So all of your decisions at the end of the day are geared towards winning the Stanley Cup. And if you're in a position where you can you can look at yourself and go like, I think we have a shot. I think we have a legitimate shot. Then you need to be aggressive to capitalize on that. Yeah, so and, you and need you. I I, I don't sorry. think it's far fetched to to say that. Barkov Eichel as your one two is the best center duo in the league if you consider Leon Dreisaitl a winger and not a center. Yeah, and and even even if you consider him a centerman with the season <laughs> like that Barkov's close. having, like it's <laughs> e even then it's it's not like if 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 Eichel is just having a, a bad luck season because he is having his his production is down. Uh, there are I think there are fewer. Um, areas to be concerned than, 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 than some people are making them out to be in terms of him wanting out of, of Buffalo, like his on ice shooting percentage and personal shooting percentage have been, have been at career lows. Like I have, there's every reason to believe that Eichel will bounce back without, without too much difficulty in, in short order and, totally. and continue being a guy that'll, that, that, that'll, that'll score like a, a, a top 10 to, to top five centerman year in, year out for the next like five, six, seven, eight years. Right. And like, as much as I want to keep a guy like Lundell or a guy like Spencer Knight, look, man, <laughs> the hope with the hope with Anton Lundell is you get a player almost as effective as Jack Eichel is. Exactly. Right now. Like, so if, if you can go one, two of Barkov Eichel at the expense of being able to go one, two Barkov Lundell, you, you do, you do it. Like there's no, there's no question. But, but I, I think we just kind of have to like finish the Eichel talk with this can the Panthers really win a bidding war between like, if it's the Rangers and the Kings and the Panthers bidding for, for Eichel, like I feel like the Panthers don't have the prospect ammo to get it done. Um, well, it's, it's not just the prospect ammo to get it done, but it's also the appetite to get it done as well. Uh, I don't love, uh, and they're like, the Rangers are in a weird spot where they're pseudo contenders, but they have like a lot of elite top end talent or like elite prospect talent and elite, older talent they don't really have like artemi panarin and mika zibanejad aren't really quite on the appropriate timeline for them so a guy like eichel does make sense but i if i don't love their prospect pool to to be honest and the la kings i'm not sure why they would be trading for jack eichel if right. they're not also looking at divesting themselves of the drew dowdy deal and the Andre kopitar deal um because Eichel's a guy that's very much in his prime, and it's like you're getting him for the next like five-ish seasons in terms of being a, a durable contender. So 
and LA probably does have the prospect uh, talent to make it work. I'm just not sure that that's that's the 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 best fit. But again, like if if I'm the Florida Panthers, my appetite to make this deal is 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 quite high, especially compared to if I was if if I was tasked with running the Rangers or if I was tasked with running the Kings. So it's 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 certainly interesting, but I I think that Florida should absolutely be ex- exploring that as as aggressively as maybe some of the, the the more rumored teams like the the Rangers and Kings are as well. I I just want to close the Eichel conversation by saying that ultimately the kingmaker in this you know predicament is going to be Kevin Adams. We can't influence Kevin Adams' evaluation on the pieces that he What's could be What's his Twitter handle? I'll do my best. <laughs> of the potential Jack Eichel destinations. And ultimately, we've seen at least leaked packages that were denied in favor of other packages that, looking back, they were stronger than what the team ended up getting for the, pl- the star player that got <laughs> traded. So we can say all we want that, you know, the Panthers have Lundell, Knight, the gluttony of first round picks and maybe Kevin Adams will be like, you know, I, I I just think that Lafreniere is a future franchise player or something along those lines. Or if, if the Rangers offer him up. Yeah. For, for example, we can't do anything about that or, you know, Bill Zito can't do anything about that. So, you know, all this talk could be futile, but it could be, fruitful because maybe Jack Eichel's on the market. Maybe they just want a gluttony of picks and the Panthers can totally do that and make it logical. Yeah. And I, th- I think that when you look at, at potential trade proposals like this, when you're, when you're trading for, for a guy from, from a team like Buffalo, it's, it's, it's not something that's, that it's likely to happen. Like I'm not here saying that, Oh, the Panthers are going to trade for Jack Eichel. I know that they're going to be interested, interested in Jack Eichel. They're going to try and put together a package but it's I, I you look at the teams that are well positioned and I see a potential fit in in Florida for for Eichel. Whether or not that happens that, that materializes, I'd say it's very unlikely that it materializes probably just because the like everyone's gonna be in on Jack Eichel. So and there's a lot of extraneous extraneous factors out of out of the control of, of, of even a guy like Bill Zito that, that influences where Jack Eichel ultimately ends up going. So it's it's difficult. It's probably Eichel to the Panthers. I would I would say more more than likely is not a thing. But I think that there's a fit there, and I think it's definitely a thing that should be explored with regard with regards to what the structure of this Panthers team is and where they can go in the future. But yeah, it was a fun fifteen minutes to dream. How it's, dare yeah. you temper my expectations after getting my? <laughs> it's a unique opportunity. I think that yeah. it, it definitely deserves a deep discussion. Um, what is a also a unique opportunity, even though it doesn't really seem like it considering the context, is the ability to acquire a Hart Trophy winner at the deadline. And while we're talking about Buffalo Sabres, Taylor Hall is a guy that is on everybody's lips when it comes to the trade deadline. And it's difficult to get a read on what kind of value he possesses as a rental or a potential guy to add to your mix. You know, like I said, he won the Hart Trophy in the recent past. You know, it was only a few seasons ago, and we can all remember that his uh, Hart Trophy winning season uh, denied the Panthers the final playoff spot in the East by just a single point. And since that season, Hall has dropped off a lot, and anybody can point to the fact that he only has, I think, four goals this year. It's really not a big number. It doesn't jump off the page. 
and he's shooting at a very low percentage. So the analytics people will say that he's 30 years old now, I believe I could be wrong about that, but you know, nah. getting up there in age, we've seen the decline. What is your, read? he'll be 30 at the beginning of next season. What is your read on the value of a Taylor hall right now? Uh, I think that I th- like you, 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 you sum- summarized it up pretty well there and that it's really tough to tell especially in light of that that shooting thing taylor hall when i watch him is there's still dynamic elements to his game he's still a really strong generator i really like the puck skill still i like the his explosiveness his ability to, to make plays but and it's not just a one-year thing the last couple seasons his ability to actually finish opportunities actually score goals has lagged well behind his ability to to, to generate quality offensive looks so that is a cause for concern that it's not just like a one season thing. It's a persistent thing across a couple of seasons. That said, he's still really talented and he's on a one year deal and he's a strict rental rental situation. So a lot of teams can, can be looking at that and be like, you know what? We're willing to roll the dice on that. Like it's, it's Taylor Hall. Like there's, there's name there. There's recognition there. He's, he's a really strong player. I think that at least some of his finishing, uh, deficiencies are are probably variance driven, so he's probably not a good finisher uh, now, but he's probably not the worst one in the league. Jeez. Um. They and and I I think that if if he's available at the time, like again, the Florida Panthers are pretty uh well positioned to be adding cap space at the deadline over a lot of other playoff t- teams, so that alone could um could could depress the market for a guy like Hall. And I think, like, if, if you have the chance to add, uh, if you have the chance to add Taylor Hall, like, I don't see why you wouldn't at least be, like, very intrigued by that possibility at the right price. So what is the right price for a guy like Hall, though, in terms of what the Panthers might be able to offer? Do you have any any clarity on that? Or, uh, I mean, again, like, if... if Buffalo's asking like for a, a a pick and a prospect. I think that if you're the Florida Panthers, you have you have to consider that. Like if they're asking for next year for this this upcoming first round pick, and you're the Florida Panthers, you're like, okay, we're going to be dra- probably probably drafting in the twenties in a draft year that's not very good. Then yeah, sure. Like first round pick for a rental. Let's it's he's the best rental on on the market. Let's let's do it. Let's see where he fits in. If you're and then, may, and then maybe what happens is you can you can slide Carter Verhage over to center, playing with Huberdeau and, uh, and and Hornquist, and and then have Hall on your top line with Barkov and Duclair. Just have two two shooters with uh, w- with Barkov. So uh, again, like if they're asking for like multiple firsts and stuff, you could probably go back and say like, mm, yeah, good luck getting that, because uh, like who who's buying right now? Are you really going to sell them to, to to Canada? You would have had to sell them two weeks ago if you wanted to to get to Canada. If, if any of those teams want to want to pick him up and there's not a lot of cap space in a, in a flat cap environment. So again, it's, it's a pretty, it could be a pretty unique buying situation. And I think at the end of the day, the Panthers can't be afraid to part with, uh, with, with um, pretty, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not recent, but um, soon like the, the, the they can't be afraid to part with their first round picks in the next couple seasons. Okay, is, is yeah, I was coming, trying to I figure guess, out where yeah. you're going. <laughs> just, yeah. just to add context, Friedman did say today that 
as of now, no one's really uh, willing to offer a first round pick for Taylor Hall, considering the season he's having and just the market the way it is. It's yeah. a real buyer's market out there. So if you can get, you know, Taylor Hall on your team for a second round pick and a B prospect, you know, let's just say Max Gildon, just someone along that caliber, you do it and you just, and you I hope like for the best. We do like So him. do I. But I, I like, like Max Gildon, but I'm saying like, you're not, you can't, yeah. like, you're not yeah. going to get like uh, Cliff Poo or whatever as the prospect in there. Like you've got to give someone <laughs> a value. The reason why you trade Max Gildon is because you like Max Gildon. You know right. he has value. <laughs> so that's like, that. that's, if, if you have to like pay legitimate, assets for things you have to offer legitimate assets right and the panthers Panthers defense pool is just so shallow as it is that like parting with a guy like (laughs) Gildon just hurts a little bit more hey they addressed a lot of that in free agency this this year so and they have a couple of pieces that are that are just prime age now so this is this is when you put you consolidate all that value and push all your chips into the middle of the table and after we discuss like the biggest names that are potentially, I guess we should say, because we don't know if Eichel is really out there uh, on the trade market. Um, I think that the best course Hashtag to, Eichel to Florida, get it trending is the, <laughs> is the, is the most plausible fits. The, the guys that, you know, considering the state of the franchise, like we spent a lot of time talking about earlier would actually be guys that you could see Florida going out and getting and them actually helping them, whether it is as pure rentals or perhaps for a few more years after that. Um, and it's, it's funny that we talk about that. They don't really look so good down the road on defense. I mean, we both, we all like Ekblad and Uyghur, but they can't really go out and add anybody other than a pure rental on the D market because they would have to protect them in the expansion draft or, or just risk losing them to Seattle. So the most plausible fits are up front, And like we talked about center is the biggest hole. So I think that uh, a guy that we alluded to is Mikhail Granlin, and I did want to spend a little bit of time honing in on him. And we, t- we talked about whether or not it, the upgrade is worth trading for. Let's just get, get everybody's thoughts on, sh- let's say, should the Panthers focus on trying to get Mikhail Granlin? Uh, if, if I can start, I actually think that a lot of the um, those – those those fours that Nashville's rumored to be trading are, are intriguing fits. Um, like if you look at the Panthers in terms of expansion, who they have to 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 protect, there are guys on the at the at the bottom of their um, their protection list. Guys like like Frank Vitrano, for example, Patrick Hornfist, um, that that you have protected that you can add forwards and kind of bump those guys to to, to be available to be picked and like not really if they're taken. It's not Whatever. a huge deal. <laughs> so you can you can add players that aren't strict rentals up front as well. So I look at, at some of the, the guys on Nashville. I, I look at guys like if Philip Forsberg, let's say, is available. He's two years at $6 million per. Again, like it, you, you'd be paying a premium for him, but you're in a position where you can strongly, strongly consider paying premiums yeah. uh, if, if you're the Panthers. I look at a guy like uh, Victor Arvidsson. He's he's been up and down the last couple seasons, but he's got some offensive pop. Four years left at, at like a I think a shade over t- uh, four. So any of those those guys that um oh, another another guy that I, I really quite like who's having a pretty good season for for Nashville is Cali Yarncroke. Yeah. Um. I, I think that he he he'd, he'd also be a, a worthy. Yeah. Yes, he has. <laughs> 
well, bet what what better reason to get him on your team then? Right. So like, there's there's a, a lot of guys on that on that National Predators team that on their own, because the guys at the top top end of their lineup, guys that they brought in like Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, haven't really been pulling their weight. That they're kind of in this mushy middle phase where they're they're, they're looking at it, and if they're really like honest with themselves, which it sounds like David Poyle is being when you don't hear guys like Forsberg and Arvidsson and, 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 and those type of guys being floated out on the market, unless the GM's really like really realistic about where they are. So adding a guy like Granlund, I think is, would be, would be a good kind of, uh, he might he might be a good fit in the uh, in in the middle six. I do think you kind of run into some of the same issues as you do with Alex Wenberg. Uh, I don't think Granlund is as extreme uh, pass first guy as Wenberg is, but I, he's still very pass first, and I don't think that 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 fits great with a guy like Jonathan Huberdo on that uh on that second line. Um, and but then again, it does enable you to to bump a guy like Alex Wenberg down and potentially create uh mismatches on on the on in in the third line and, and with your depth so granlin's definitely a guy that i even though i i'm not extremely high on as a as a strict rental like he's probably one of the uh better options on the market and those guys like philip forsberg's a a, a, str- a really strong offensive player like victor arvidsson's a, a high energy shoot first winger that 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 they can really kind of like put put pucks on net. I think his finishing ability again is kind of diminishing that diminished in the last couple of seasons. But again, there are guys that you can explore adding to your middle six and creating like the, the this this strong depth. So anyone on Nashville up front that they're really rumored to be moving, I don't think they're going to be moving like Johansson or Duchesne because I think they kind of know that there's not really much of an appetite for those yeah, guys. Not, not that anyone would really be interested in trading for yeah. them at this point. <laughs> Yeah, but there's there's some intriguing fits up front on Nashville that if I were I were Florida, I'd be very uh, interested in in exploring. Yeah, Philip Forsberg is Alex's trade baby. <laughs> I just don't I, think I, he's available. Yeah, I don't think he's available either. Poyle just keeps saying he's not trading him for a massive overpay. I mean, you know, maybe a massive overpay is Owen Tippett in a first round pick or something, but. No. You know, if, if if there's someone to overpay for, it's not, not an overpay for Forsberg at all. Yeah, Panthers no. are laughing their way to the bank. If yeah. Again, I, I was just first. saying what what a possible, you know, Philip Forsberg was traded for Martin Erat originally. So, like, that's, you know what yeah, I, That you, was before anyone knew what Forsberg really was. I know, but it's you like, know what I mean. It's like... the someone's term for overpay could be something the Panthers yeah. are like super that's, happy that's also, That also could be Poyle trying to trying to make a market or create a market exactly. in, a, in, a, in a buyer's thing. market too. So, and, and Mikhail Granlund also, uh, in terms of the Wenberg comparison, I do want to point out that uh, Granlund has five double-digit goal seasons uh, compared to Wenberg's. Role. Yeah, again, not 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 as extreme <laughs> as Wenberg. Uh, si- similar-ish, but again, like he's he he shoots a significant amount more than Wenberg. I think he's a better finisher too. Yeah. I want to bring in some uh, commentary that we got on the original tweet that prompted this episode uh, on Mikhail Granlin from uh, at find your soul. Uh, Mikhail <laughs> Granlin got to think trade value is low. We really need to bulk up in the bottom half of the lineup to prepare for a situation where our, our luck might run out. And he's a guy who can luck? readily slide up when needed. Calling the Panthers uh, of this year lucky. Is I don't think that's what he was talking about. Let's say you're yeah, having a game where somebody gets injured or you know somebody's it. just having a bad let's game. Let's say that your superstar first-line center gets injured and you have to play a couple games without him. How are you going to be able to weather <laughs> yeah, that? I, I can't imagine that happening to the Panthers. Yeah. Um, 
I think Cranlin goes in. Trocheck. <laughs> Man, he'd be he'd be good on the Panthers right yeah, now. Wouldn't wouldn't he? Yeah, wouldn't he? Yeah. If only. If only. If only you had the chance to have Vincent Trocheck on your team at any point. Um, no, I think Granlund goes in in the top half of your lineup right now. I think he's he's I think he's probably legitimately your second best center. Um, like I think he's better than Wenberg, or he's he's a be- the better version of Wenberg. And there's I, d- I don't see anyone really kind of feasible playing in their bottom six right now that you're like oh we can, we can really elevate this guy. So so yeah, Granlund does definitely bolster their depth, but I don't think he bolsters their depth by going into the bottom six and pushing and like being able to move up. I think he just slots in there and pushes everyone down. Ricard Raquel is another guy that we got a lot in the replies to our original tweet, and we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about him. What are your thoughts on Ricard Raquel? Uh, he's like Taylor Hall light, sort of. Uh, I've seen a, a few Ducks games recently because I, I really love watching uh, Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegras. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're they're so fun to watch. <laughs> uh, and Raquel's honestly a guy that stuck out to me as making like some really nifty puck plays. Like he's 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 a, a guy that I've, I've seen like when he's on the puck, he, he does a lot of cool stuff. And I think he's driven offense pretty well. Um, he's a he's definitely shoot first. Uh, so he is he is a shooter. But again, he's one of these guys who in recent years just like his ability to put pucks in the net for at least the last three seasons has just like completely abandoned him. Like it's just, he, he, he has not been able to score um, at, at, at a rate that, that you'd expect again, though, I think that he's a, an intriguing middle six fit, especially if you can bump him to uh to right wing and push Hornquist down. Maybe mm-hmm. I think a guy like that as a, uh, as a trigger man fit might fit a little bit better with Jonathan Huberto or Alex Wenberg. So Raquel's definitely a guy that, and and of, of he he's also team controlled beyond this year at a at a really good cap it for what he brings too. So Raquel's definitely a uh, a piece that I would explore uh, pretty seriously if I were the Panthers. It seems yeah, like I'm, the I'm, ask for Raquel from the Ducks is kind of yeah, it seems high. Not necessarily that it's high, but it's it, it seems like they want a roster player that is you know in the prime of their career that can help their young players develop. And I can't think of a team that's like ready and willing to get rid of a guy like that in a Ricard Raquel trade. Like it, it's just yeah, that's, a weird ask. That's that's that sounds like they're looking for a hockey trade, like a, a player for player. There, and they might be looking for for just it, like a, a different element uh, the, to yeah, to bring to their. Brett Connolly. <laughs> yeah, so used I Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, and that's. If I if I was Anaheim, that's not really what I'd be doing. I'd be looking at Zegers and, and Drysdale and going like, "That's my my time. My timeline is those guys. When those guys are twenty three, twenty four, uh, I want to be competing. So I want to be getting guys that are either like a year or two older or a year or two younger than them. And Raquel is not that. He's something like I think he's twenty eight. He's like eight to ten years older than 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 them. Some like somewhere in in that range. I don't know, but. Yeah, that's that's a that that is a uh, an interesting ask if I was the if I was the Anna for, or from the Anaheim Ducks. Jake or Alex, quick thoughts on Raquel? I love Ricard Raquel. Uh, the the Ducks for for being one of my least favorite teams for a very long time. They very they did a great job working their way up to being one of my like guilty pleasure teams. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of Ricard Raquel. I love Hampus Lindholm. I have a weird attachment to Cam Fowler. I, I, I really like the Ducks. Uh, 
some of their players and I Ricard Raquel uh, for a few years in there was a very useful uh, fantasy hockey asset for me. Uh, yeah. So Ricard Raquel in particular, I, I really like. So I, I would love it if the Panthers could figure out a way to grab him and slot him in at, at, at 2C and push Wenberg down or yeah. like you said, Ra- Ra- Raquel is a winger though. Raquel. So that's uh that's 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 the thing. He doesn't help you with uh, f- filling that that void at center. I thought he had played some center at some point. Yeah, in his I think career. he was definitely listed at center, uh, listed as a center in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that matters, really. Yeah, right. Any of other course. Ducks that we want to go over. Yeah, while we're talking about the Ducks, actually, another name we got quite a few times was Ryan Getzloff. Um, I just don't think he's going to get traded. Yeah, yeah that's, he should that's... retire a duck, but. Is is there a market for him? Is there a reason? Uh, I mean, there should be. Eric Stahl. I feel like Eric Stahl kind of just set the Rick, the Ryan Getzloff market a little bit. Most reflective forehead. That's got to have a market. <laughs> hey, I'm right here. <laughs> oh man, I walked right into that. <laughs> I just don't think Getzloff at this like I don't know what Anaheim's been doing the last three or four years, but like at this point, it seems like Getzloff's just going to retire and duck like. They don't see I would I would certainly think that he's a guy that would retire a duck. Uh, I mean, if he's available, if you're getting him as a strict rental, as a guy that can kind of step in, uh, you can you can dial back his ice time and maybe get better results yeah. from him, as Toronto has done, like with Jason Spezza, but maybe not to that extreme degree. Uh, like he he's a guy that I would I would explore as a as a rental. I wouldn't want to be paying him a ton of money. Um, and I'd if 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 he's there for the the Eric Stahl deal, then you know, at 50% retained from Anaheim. I mean, I guess uh, he, he's, you could do a lot worse than him. Yeah. Like he, he'll, he'll come in. He's got the, the, the leadership, the pedigree, all that, all that stuff. And he's still a, a decently effective player. I just, I just can't see them like trading him. He's, he's their captain. And there's some guys like on certain teams that you, that, that you look at and go, Oh, this guy's going to retire with this team. This guy's going to re- retire with this team. Like Sidney Crosby's retiring a Pittsburgh penguin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're never letting him go. Speaking yeah. of guys that used to play with Ryan Getzlaff, uh, a guy that was brought up to us a lot was Kyle Palmieri, who is now currently with the New Jersey Devils. And oh my God, Palmieri was with the Ducks. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was yeah. a long time that ago. Is a, Very exclusively pictured him with the Devils. Yeah. yeah. Remember Bobby Ryan used to be on the Ducks also. I never forget that. Okay. Because he scored, he had four straight 30-goal seasons <laughs> as an Anaheim Duck. And then he was... He was the pick after Crosby in, the, in that draft, right? Ryan Burke had to yeah, settle that, for Bobby that, Ryan when he lost out on Crosby. And that rigged post-lockout uh, lotto. Not happy <laughs> Panthers having the least amount of balls of any team in that lotto made absolutely no sense. So Palmieri is kind of an interesting guy because he's a, he's a known sniper. That's sort of his reputation. But, you know, and, and perhaps this is a little bit reductive, but looking at the charts on evolving hockey, the Rapums he's having an awful year and has been an ineffective player for a little bit of time, at least the last few years. Do you think that that's an accurate assessment of what you see when you watch him? Or is there sort of a New Jersey uh, anchor effect that those uh, analytics are more reflective of? I think that, that Paul Mary for me has always been a guy that's, that's been more of a, a crafty player sort of at, at five on five. Uh, and he, he di- really dines out on the, uh, on the power play. Yeah. And I see him as an off wing power play shooter, a, uh, a guy that, that likes to kind of yeah. hang out on the, um, 
and 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 I don't see really how that because I believe he's a right-handed shot if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if if someone could look that up, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, he is a right-handed shot. Yep. So the way that you get the most out of Cal Palmieri is putting him on the left wing on the power play. Unfortunately, the Florida Panthers quarterback their power play from the left wing with Jonathan Huberdeau. So I'm not sure I see a fit with Palmieri in terms of, of really kind of getting what, what you need to out of him. I think he still can be uh, a, a decent player, like uh, as a, just a solid kind of middle six guy. I just don't see the, the, the appeal with, with a guy like that because I don't think he'll be able to properly really utilize him um, on, on the Panthers where you're getting the, mo- the most out of him. And I, he is having a, a, a bad year, and like he's 30 years old, so that might just be age-related decline as well. So while he's something that I'm not like explicitly against trading for, like not not no, you don't want Kyle Palmieri. He's not a guy that really would excite me in terms of in terms of where he would fit on the team and how he'd uh, and and the impact that he brings. Yeah, Palmieri, I, I, yeah, Palmieri is also an interesting one to me. Um, like you mentioned, they, they quarterback, the Panthers like to use Huberto, uh, on the left wing to kind of feed the puck around. But at the same time, um, at least in my view, the Panthers power play becomes most effective when Huberto and Ekblad switch spots and you get Ekblad on his off wing shooting position and he can just bomb them in. So either way, Palmieri, there's not really a fit for Kyle Palmieri because either you're messing with your your whole setup on the power play, or what do you do with Aaron Ekblad? Yeah, and and argue arguably right now, Aaron Ekblad might be a a a more consistent finisher with that one timer than than Palmieri yep. has been this season. Exactly. Yeah, and that's but he's that's not it. fast enough, so he should be taken off the first power play. I mean, I think that overall conversion has been an Alex stopped power play. We're seeing them generate chances at a higher rate than pretty much any other power play in the league. Yet it's like it's still top ten, but like just barely in terms of you know goals per sixty. I mean, there's there's an element of having been spoiled by Mike Hoffman the last couple of years because uh, I like Mike Hoffman I think is the the best left-handed one-timer in in the whole league like he's that guy can absolutely just bomb pucks from that from that face-off circle so there's an element of the Panthers that they, they finished their power play they finished at a level that was just beyond the chances that they generated because they could just feed Mike Hoffman so in terms of of, of sustainability I think like their 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 chance generation is pretty good like they 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 look at least when they're when they're when they're on the power play, like they they look dangerous, and I think that's really all you all you can like really ask for. I don't think that they're out of line. Like there's some teams that are above them in terms of like goals rate that I think would fall back kind of behind uh, where where they are right now. Like I don't I don't see the the Blackhawks continuing to outscore the the Panthers on the on on the power play in terms yeah. of in terms of, like per sixty rate. So like I wouldn't be like. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about the Panthers' power play. Uh, I think it's probably a top five power play in the league, so I don't think you need a, a really a lot of a lot of changes to that to that first unit. Yeah. So the the problem with a guy like Palmieri, who you who you describe as a power play specialist, well, if he's not going to get onto your first power play, then all of a sudden you've wasted an asset for absolutely yeah. no reason. So it's it's just mm-hmm. not really a fit. Yeah. 
And it's unfortunate because this team is seemingly lacking in finishing. I mean, just look at yesterday, 41 shots, no goals. That has happened a few times. Uh, I got a direct message asking me uh, what the Panthers record is in games that they had 40 or more shots on goal. And they are two, three, and one. So that is, uh, I mean, that's so weird. It's actually, it's not as weird as you think, because how kind of how score effects work is you are more likely to get more shots when you're already losing. So if you're playing from behind for for a full game, a lot of those times when you're getting a lot of shots, it's because you're chasing the game already. So most teams actually probably have a losing record when they put up a ton of shots because they're putting up a ton of shots because they're losing. Yeah, and I I was thinking about that, and I used that as my justification as why this was probably happening. But at, at, at the same time, it doesn't really feel like this has happened much for the Panthers in years previous, maybe just because they haven't gotten to 40 shots all that much. But <laughs> I look at other teams in the league and I see a higher conversion rate on expected goals than what the Panthers are doing. So a, a finisher is probably not a bad idea. And if, if there was a realistic chance, at least in my mind, that Philip Forsberg was available, I would probably be yelling and screaming about how he's the missing link or you know whatever – you would want me to say to really emphasize the importance of going out and getting him, but it sounds it's just like not, we really need Victor Arvidsson. It's just not Paul Mary. I think Arvidsson's finishing has been really lackluster in the last few years too, though. Yeah, it has, but also yep. he's not that far removed from 34 goals in 55 games or 58 games or whatever it was. So, and the thing with Arvidsson is he takes like 800 shots too. So there you go. Yeah. Shot Jen is good. Uh, Owen Tippett look at that, looking at you. Uh, so somebody else that was uh, discussed that's also in the Western Conference that uh, we kind of just wanted to go over very quickly because I, I think that we have all kind of the same idea is Dustin Brown, a uh, guy who's having kind of a renaissance year, although if you asked me, it would be because he's playing with Anze Kopitar. Uh, do you agree with that pretty much? More or less, yeah. Uh, I think that a lot of the the, the Kings top lineup successes is, is not really uh, the most sustainable uh, Brown's had a couple of like when a guy when a guy's gone on like kind of a path and then he like all of a sudden jumps back up. It's like mm, I think like I don't I don't think that's long term sustainable. So a guy like Brown, even though yeah he's been there before, he's the he's the archetype of player that kind of breaks down. Um, I, I think over time, and you have him on you'd have him on the books for for an extra year after this one, and I think that that extra money um, in in looking forward to what is what is probably sure to be a, a, again a very um, good buyer's market with how the P- Panthers are positioned? It just doesn't make sense. Uh, I think he's. I don't think he's as good right now as Hornfist is for the same type of player. And you don't want to be adding more uh, cap to your cap to your book and and potentially inhibiting yourself from from being really aggressive on a guy like Arvidsson or uh, or Raquel or or even Jack Eichel as yeah, we discussed Jack earlier. Got to save <laughs> those assets for Eichel. So right. are, are are there any other like any any other scoring wingers you think it would make sense for the Panthers to chase or have we kind of exhausted the list a little bit? Um I mean you're given of of like who's who's kind of rumored to be out there um I mean, Joe Joe Pavelski's a good player, but at two years, at seven million per. Again, that's not a, a, a contractual fit, especially at his age. And is Dallas um, even selling him? Like, do you think? Yeah, Dallas I don't is... think they would trade him. 
I feel yeah, like Dallas I, I saw, is pushing for a playoff spot right now, and Pavelski's yeah, in. I, I, I saw Pavelski on on the on the list that that you that you sent me, so I thought I'd I'd bring him up. Um, again, I don't know what Montreal plans on doing. Um, if if they're if they're still if they're looking to to shuffle players around, yeah. Oh no, no, they're not trading Gallagher, but they're uh, not trading dep- Gallagher. I know. Just signed him. I know. D- depending I, on I how they feel Brendan about Gallagher, like. Uh, Oh, Brendan, Brendan Gallagher might be my favorite player in the NHL. Like I, I have, I, I, I think he's fantastic. Like he, he does everything that, that, that I, I think you want to do in terms of generating durable, sustainable offense. Like he's, he, he's an, a super efficient goal scorer. He's, he's, he, he drags you into the fight. Like he's just, he's just so like, I think he's just so good. Like I have, I, I have all the time. The right Brendan Gallagher. I spent years champion. You need a fan Stone. yourself. Do you need a moment Reese? Uh, I might need a fan only because it's like approaching like 85 degrees uh, oh, Fahrenheit in, in, in this room. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I spent, a hockey jersey in South Florida. I spent not, years yeah. championing Mark Stone, and now that people kind of realize how good Mark Stone is, that energy has more or less shifted to Brendan Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they seem like similar style, not not exactly similar styles of player, but similar results. And I I just. I'm big. I'm a big fan of both of them, mm-hmm. and Gallagher is kind of my unsung hero player right now. Yeah, let me for... let me jump in and ask on Mark Stone, just because you were still in the room when the Panthers <laughs> yes! tried to oh, trade to get Stone. Let's get this. How close were the Panthers? Do you even know? Can you say it? I I was not privy to any discussions Damn. regarding Mark Stone. Yeah. That was I mean, uh, that was that was above my uh, my pay grade. Bygones, let bygones be bygones. Yeah, the hot rumor was that he wasn't gonna gonna extend here anyway. So total pivot yeah. time. Obviously, we got a lot of questions about Matias Ekholm, and we've kind of already addressed that because of the expansion draft. It just isn't really worth it for the Panthers to explore that because it would also bear a high cost. Is there I any? Would... Def- Go ahead. Uh, no, continue the question because I'll, I'll, I'll pick up on the other side. What are the defensemen with term that are plausibly available that you think, well, hold on. It might actually be worth it for the Panthers to pursue them. Uh, I'm glad that you, you added that, uh, that, that question at the end, because basically for me, the list really begins and ends with Matthias Eckholm. Uh, Matthias Eckholm is the one guy that I think that if you pick him up, you do go four and four. If you can't get Yandel to, to, to wave his NMC, because I think Eckholm at two years at 3.75, like that's, that's the, the perfect term for, for a guy at, at his age. That's a really, really digestible cap hit. And it's extremely good value for the, for, for what he provides. I think he's pretty clearly, um, the best defenseman on the uh, on on the market right now, or rumored to be on the market right now, um, especially seeing as Ryan Ellis has kind of slowed down a little bit and is is I believe hit some some injury issues. Yeah. Uh, that and that and the t- Ellis is carrying a, a, a seven year ticket at least being on this one. So, Ekholm's a guy that I think like if you if you are trading for a defenseman that has term left, I think it's it, it makes most sense for it to be Ekholm. And I, I think that he he would be one of those guys that would really help uh, at basically any team in the league. Yeah, because the, the question, and we talked about it before we started recording, if you trade for Eckholm now, you either lose him in the expansion draft or you have to trade for him again to keep him. Yeah. And that just makes it cost or prohibitive for a team like the Panthers. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. if you think about it, if the Panthers don't get too cute, 
a four and four situation isn't really the end of the world because it I really think they'll, you keep Barkov, you keep Huberto, you keep Verhage, and hopefully Duclair. Duclair probably and you keep Duclair. I wouldn't really be heartbroken about losing anybody else in right. terms yeah, of the Vitrano, forwards. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I would I, like. I them. love Frank Vitrano. I I yeah. loved I love him and I loved that trade. Yeah, if but, you lose him at the expense of getting Matthias Ekholm, bye. Like, yeah, he only has fine. one year left, by the way, before he hits unrestricted free agency. And then there's also Patrick Hornquist, who, despite the fact that he really has been a guy that has helped the Panthers a lot this year in terms of his energy, his skill, his ability to change the mood in the locker room, to motivate people. You just don't want a guy that's that old on that ticket with that many concussions. So if you and lose him in the expansion draft, frankly, you do have to thank your lucky stars. Also, if you go four and four and lose Patrick Hornquist to Seattle, then congratulations. You turned Mike Matheson into Matthias Eckholm. <laughs> Not really. But you get the idea. You, sure, you turned Mike Matheson into, 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 into one very a, productive season yeah. of Patrick Hornquist. And into cap liquidity. <laughs> yeah, cap liquidity go. is very Something valuable in this. Not, nothing could be... Not, something that thought nobody thought could be done. I mean, you know, you got teams like Buffalo with, you know, Jeff Skinner. For I mean, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. We're not oh, losing Patrick yeah. Hornquist in the expansion. I, draft. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think the, honestly, I think a, a, an interesting play from Seattle might be approaching Buffalo and saying like, Hey, we will take Jeff Skinner retained from you. What will you pay us to take him off your hands? And that's how the Seattle Kraken start their franchise with Jack Eichel. <laughs> oh my god and you know you know what happens in that situation too Skinner on, pops off for like eight straight 40 goal seasons like, i mean that's 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 why you you try and get him retained so you can double retain on him in seattle and try and do the do the old bump and dump like play him on your first line first power play unit like wenberg wenberg to skinner wenberg to skinner wenberg to skinner all these guys all of a sudden they both put in like 60 60 point seasons over 82 games never mind that their points for 60 is like 1.3 and it's all on the power play, but like just like Details. build them up and yeah, build them up and 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 try just like build excess value, accumulate that war chest. Do what Vegas thought they were going to do before all of a sudden they realized, oh crap, we're really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the organization you worked for just kind of gave them two first liners. So great job, Reese. <laughs> yeah, amateur scout, this is clearly your fault. Yeah. <laughs> My feet is getting blurry. Oh no! <laughs> Reese's right. poker face during that. For those yeah, of you watching I thought on you YouTube, were frozen for a second. That was actually, <laughs> I was a little scared. I was pre- I was pretending that I was frozen, just like you did a great job. Right. I, I I was actually very concerned for the state of the end of this, uh, of the end of this marathon. So, we, so I think, we've, I think... So we've lost this whole thing. All the audio is completely gone. <laughs> So I, I think we've got two more forwards left on our list that we haven't touched on, and we don't need to go into too, into too much detail unless you really want to, or you see an opportunity cost there. Um, Sam Gagne was someone that was mentioned to us, someone I actually played uh, youth hockey with. Uh, Gagne is good in his role, but I don't think his role is really high leverage or valuable. If you can get him for like a really late round pick and use him as like extra kind of depth and fodder, maybe to give like a fourth line a more a, a different look and more of an offensive uh, bent, but I don't think that fits on a Quenville team with what he does. So I don't th- I don't see Gagne as a as a real fit in Florida. Yeah, okay. if you're looking at to shake up the second power play, I would just play Brett Connolly on the fourth line and then put him on the second power play because he was the by far the best second power play player for the Panthers last season. So just try to do that again. And then the last forward we had on the list, um, 
Luke Glenn Denning, uh, wasn't it? No, we, we talked about Glenn Denning earlier. Boone Jenner. Boone right. Jenner, I have um, a feeling how you feel on this one. But my we, sister's least we got asked. in the entire NHL. Fun fact. I just don't see where Boone Jenner really helps you. He's kind of a big, abrasive uh, forward that's, that's had some decent kind of success in the past. With that archetype of player, they kind of break down quickly and i'm not sure that he really helps you kind of anywhere on your roster like i don't see him as a clear upgrade on on nola chari even and i like i quite like nola chari but if you're getting jenner it's really to play in a depth role and i don't think you're going to just get your you're going to get much value beyond what the panthers already have so i wouldn't i wouldn't explore that one too uh too deeply and then we got two defense and then we you know we got asked about by our twitter followers that we haven't touched on uh, let's go with Vince Dunn. He was rumored to be on the block early in the year, and then that's kind of tapered off. Do you see him as someone still being available? And if so, is that a good target? I see Vince Dunn as being a very good gamble for Seattle to take. Um, I, I I I like Vince Dunn, the player. I think he he does have talent. I th- I, he, I think he moves the puck well. But again, there's a reason why St. Louis kind of is still handling him with the kid gloves. Um, and and I don't see him like if if you're if you're getting him you're going to be exposing him to Seattle because you're not you're, he's not a guy that I think you go four and four for and then Seattle's just gonna is just gonna take him because he's a low cost cost controlled guy with upside and they're gonna gamble on that uh, who has a history of, of of pretty solid underlying numbers and that's a guy that they'll gamble on so a guy like Dunn in a non expansion year sure why not uh, I think you're going to um, you're you're that might be a, a guy worthy of of being of trading for, but not with the expansion draft looming. I don't think it's something that they they really seriously consider entertaining. So we're just going to rapid fire uh, the rest of this list. Uh, you don't don't give any explanation unless you feel unless you really feel a need to. I just want yes or no. I'll give one. I'll give one names. sentence because I love hearing myself talk. How about Perfect. that? Perfect. We love unless you like, all of us. Unless this is like good fit. Let's actually talk about why. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. Okay, so David Savard. Uh, decent maybe rental option might help your bottom pair explore it at the right part at the right price because he's only a rental. Hampus Lindholm. Uh, I like the defense that he brings. Uh, I've been a fan of him for a long time. Maybe, maybe, maybe consider going four and four to 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 get him at, at the right price. Uh, I I, do, I have a lot of time for Lindholm. Injuries might be a, a consideration. <laughs> yeah, Alex Goligoski. Um, how many, how many years does he have left? Is he on one? I don't. One. I, 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 I think yeah. I think he's expiring. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm not sure about the fit. Um, he'd be probably your third pairing. I want to say right defenseman, uh, with, with how good it's played this year. If you, again, if you get him for the right price retained, it's a buyer's market. He would, he, he's a solid NHL defenseman. If again, price has to be right, but. I don't see any any particularly d- big downside to uh, to Goligoski. He is an expiring. Nicholas Jalmerson. Um, basically Goligoski, but instead of moving pucks, it's blocking shots. Um, <laughs> s- solid. If the if the price is right, um, he's 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 older. He's there's some injury concerns. He's definitely in decline. Uh, but again, one year rental can probably help you in a bottom pairing role. And finally, last and probably least, uh, Brandon Montour. Mm, doesn't help you. <laughs> Reese, is there anyone that we, of all the players we talked about, that we did not mention that Reese Jessup is like, yeah, a smart team would go get this guy, he's available, or did we exhaust oh, the list? 
boy uh i think you uh I think you've pretty much exhausted the list. Uh, there's not a ton out there, and with the again with the expansion draft looming, you're kind of limited to to forwards up front and teams that are looking to sell. And in terms of teams that are looking to sell, there's not there, there's a reason why they're sellers. There's not a whole ton of of stuff that's yeah. really intriguing there. So the the pieces that you really be looking to buy are either well we don't want that, that's one of the only things we have we don't want to sell that or just like eh doesn't doesn't really do much move the needle with the with the construction of the Panthers right now because really at the end of the day there just are not many teams that are moving second line centermen right and that's that's really I think the the big hole in the or or the big area that the Panthers could upgrade in and that's that's just a that's just a tough thing to fill I imagine without the pretense of the expansion draft uh there's a much more serious consideration to talk about some of these defensemen uh Especially someone like David Savard or Hampus Lindholm, but well, David Savard is a rental, so that's true. Yeah, I, I'm also a huge fan of Hampus Lindholm, but with the expansion draft, I just it's it's probably just not worth it. What, what's um, the biggest get, hole in Savard's game for you? Because I'm kind of surprised to hear you say third pairing. Um, I just don't think he moves pucks particularly well. I don't love his his puck decisions. Like he he kind of struggles. I think. Move, working pucks up the ice and actually getting quality looks in the in the offensive zone. I don't think he works the offensive blue line well. Um, gets gets a lot of shots blocked. I think he's he's a, a pretty good off puck net front defender. Uh, and I, I just like I don't see a whole lot of value there in terms of going one way. It's all coming kind of coming back the other. So I see at the end of the day probably an. Uh, a number five defenseman for where he is at this point in his career right now. And some redundancy perhaps with Radko Gudis, because I remember seeing in the athletic article that proposed him going to the Panthers, he'd be a great fit with Keith Yandel. But here's the thing. Look at what Radko Gudis and Keith Yandel have done together when paired this year, the goal differential. And like we always say, it's not necessarily destiny plus minus, but the goal differential has been obscene. This is way too much plus minus talk. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the fact that it's came from you twice, TJ, there, there's just something weird about the DNA of the show for, for that to have happened. It was the Pokemon discussion that started it off that, that this kind of threw us for a, uh, for, <laughs> yeah, for a well, I, I think that their, their expected goals is also in the sixties. So that's pretty yeah, good. But uh, again, it's like, they they've they've been able to utilize Yandel quite well, and Gudis has, has fit well into the system. Uh, long term, I'm not sure about like how how robust that those those bottom four uh, defenders are, but right now they're doing exactly what what the Panthers need of them. And I don't think you can really look at that and be like, oh, their performance hasn't been good enough. I think all four guys have kind of exceeded expectations and really kind of provided a a, a solid uh, solid solid blue line depth for for, for Florida here. Oh, and I forgot one thing about uh, the Panthers going four and four after they trade for Matthias Eckholm. Uh, we forgot the obvious fourth forward that they have to protect is Jack Eichel. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. So Parkov, uh, th- thank you, thank you for for... Eichel. There, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, 
Abs- absolutely. So I'm I'm glad I could uh, I could bring that possibility into into your collective <laughs> lives here and the the minds of, of Panthers Nation. All all eight uh, viewers who are able to uh, make it through the Pokemon talk at the at the top of the episode. <laughs> right, right, right. Thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, and that really, was, thank that you was for sticking with there. us through this marathon. But I mean, this is the most fun po- kind of podcast to do the mock GM stuff, talking about fantasy trades, just really enjoyable. And we've had a great time, yeah. uh, especially with an actual professional. Uh, yeah. right. <laughs> add some credibility. Before we wrap the up, three of us can talk about this shit all day, but yeah. we have at the end of the day, we have no credibility, and no well, one cares about someone who's been in the room where it happens. It it, it it adds some credibility to the podcast. So, Reese, we really do thank you for joining us. And uh, the Panthers' loss is uh, Panther Furry's gain. No, I I do want to do one thing before we wrap, and that is rapid fire one sentence predictions for how Bill Zito actually goes about his business this trade deadline. And we'll start with Reese. Uh, I think it's going to be underwhelming because I think the market is going to be so clogged up. It's just going to be so difficult to make moves. Taylor Hall. There's mine. All right, there you go, Alex. Taylor (laughs) Hall. Jake, a splash. I think I think that they're going to kind of go down the middle. I think they're going to go after a uh, a middle six or second pairing type of guy, and Jack, they're going to kind of hedge their bets. <laughs> going to kind of hedge their bets. All right, so Reese, we give everybody the opportunity that comes on our show to plug whatever they want to plug after they're done shooting the shit with us. So, what is it that is out there? Whether it's your work, someone else's work, that you want to plug and let everybody know about. Oh man, I wish I wish I had more things to plug. Uh, I don't really have much at the moment. Uh, I just want to like thank you guys for uh, for for having me on. I've I did a Detroit Red Wings podcast the other day, so I'll be retweeting that when it comes out. If you want to check out, if you if you cannot get enough of me for some reason, <laughs> so uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter at that's underscore offside. Uh, hopefully, I won't be tweeting uh, for for much longer. I'll be back in the back in the show under the veil of silence once again. But. Uh, <laughs> but what but while i'm while i'm here it's uh it, i i i hope to have some some fun online while well, i still can but yeah just anyways thanks guys so much for having me on this was a this was a thanks ton of fun us. uh I'm, I'm glad i could come back and uh looking forward to to the next time we uh we do this yeah well, well we have to make sure to book you for your last public appearance before you, uh, <laughs> before you have to go back into the nhl <laughs> Yeah, break that you're joining a team on our podcast. Oh my god! That'll really drive. <laughs> so to subscribers. any to any NHL GMs listening to 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 Panther Puri, uh, make sure you give Reese a real hard look at uh, at, at bringing him on to your uh, your staff. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks very much, guys. I think that's that's going to do it for this marathon of a podcast. We might have to break it up into two parts. Uh, you know, uh, for the fifteenth time, thank you so much for joining us, Reese. We uh, mentioned going about an hour, and we're at two and a half here so you've been more than generous with your time even though you're in vancouver so it's not as late for you um, <laughs> well that'll do it for this episode of panther puri quick sell because we forgot make sure you join us on viget.com ptp hockey all the viget app the, i yeah, i know that i know we've viget done this app. a few times i did it once but it, it's it's not really a website it's only an app viget app ptp hockey all one word that's the uh code to get you 2500 coins free uh, betting on sports, free predictions. It's a lot of fun. TJ's giving away stuff. And that's it for this episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, for those of you who watched on YouTube, thank you for joining us on our first uh, YouTube posting. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And uh, that's it, guys. Have a good night.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.